Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. So, I get to preach tonight. <laughs> and it's not Mother's Day. <laughs> However, the last time I preached was out in the parking lot. <laughs> And uh, the wind was blowing, and I was afraid my notes were going to get blown all over the place. But you know what? God moved anyways. And he is faithful. And, and I really do feel, you know, I was so glad that we sang that song tonight because we know that Jesus can do anything. And we know that with a snap of his fingers, he can make everything right. And with a snap of his fingers, he can take us home, huh? Yeah. However, there is a disconnect. There's a disconnect between what we know is true and what we live on a daily basis. And so today what I want to do is I just want to minister a word that God has spoken to my heart um, that I really feel is appropriate for today especially. Especially today and the um, events of today uh, in our nation's capital. And the title of my message today is The Quest for Peace. Because how many of you know what the world needs now is peace? <laughs> peace is what we need. I don't know if it's a 70s song that was about that. So anyways. Because we are living in a time of turmoil and chaos. And people are seeking peace now more than ever before. Um, when we went up to Reading for Thanksgiving, to spend Thanksgiving with Amy, her roommates prayed over us. And these are a couple of girls that just are, um, you know, they are just in love with Jesus. And they are just on fire for the things of God and everything that he's doing. Should I not move? They're on fire for everything that, uh, for the things of God. And one word that they gave us, I mean, they gave us three pages worth of notes. But one specific phrase that they gave us was that we would experience springtime in the winter. And when you think about that phrase, springtime in the winter, it's, um, it's a little odd. That's kind of an odd phrase. You know, how can you, you're either, either going to have, you know, spring, summer, winter, fall. You're going to have one or the other. But what this talks about is referring to an unseasonable moment in time um, or something totally unexpected. And so just like spring flowers breaking through snow in a field or spring blossoms sprouting on a tree in February, and we've seen that here in Arizona. We've seen a warm snap come in and the tree's thinking, oh, it's springtime, and they blossom out and then the next week it's freeze, you know. But just like we can have those types of experiences in nature, um, it's God's intention for his children to experience peace in the midst of chaos. And I believe that that is our springtime in the winter. We're in a pretty winter, we're in a very wintry season right now um, in different, you know, different areas. And it feels like it's just cold and, and dark. But you know what? God has called us to peace. Um, in Luke 7.50, Jesus uses this phrase when he's talking to the woman who anointed his feet. He says, your faith has saved you, go in peace. The word peace is mentioned 429 times in the King James Version of the Bible. 429 times. But, like, but there's still a disconnect. How come we're not living in peace? 
How come we're not living in peace 24-7? And if you are, I'm so happy. I'm so glad you are. <laughs> because I don't want all, because there are some people that, that have tapped into that. And what I encourage you to do is encourage others in that peace that God has given you. But the majority of, of Christians, a lot of times, we fall into, you know, this feeling of abandonment, of being abandoned. Um, we've always been told that we can walk in perfect peace, but how does that work on a practical level? When are we going to experience true peace? You know, you just got to look at Facebook for 30 seconds to see Christians who are not at peace. You know, you just got to look at, you know, anybody that talk, have a conversation in, in the foyer before service. And you can pick out the ones who have peace and the ones who don't. You know, sorry. Was that too rough? <laughs> And so what God wants to speak to you tonight is that there's a way to connect with heaven to obtain peace. The definition of peace from uh, Webster's Dictionary is freedom of the mind from annoyance, distraction, and anxiety, to be untroubled, to be tranquil, to be content, to be silent or still, okay? Okay. Uh, Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat, drink, eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The King James Version says righteousness, peace, and joy. But peace is one of the main components of the kingdom of God. These are the hallmarks of our salvation. Righteousness, peace, joy. They're all there. These are the, the, these are the like I said, the hallmarks of our salvation. This is God's original intent for his children. This is why he sent Jesus. This is why Jesus died on the cross, so we could have peace on a daily basis. Peace is not meant to be a passing emotion, but it is a permanent state for us to live in. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done, then, you know, I always knew that first part. We even had sang songs in children's church. But then I got to really reading. Then I started reading my Bible. You know, amazing things happen when you start to read your Bible, right? <laughs> and you just don't just read the key scriptures, but you read the entire context. Because there's a then, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to ask the question again. Why aren't the children of God functioning and living in peace? And it's really hard to ask that question on a day like today. You know, when we have all this turmoil and chaos in our society, you know, um, everything that's happening in the world, and we haven't even focused on the world in, <laughs> since March, <laughs> really, because we've had our own little problems right here in the United States. How does this all, why, this doesn't make sense. We're supposed to be living in peace, but yet we have all this turmoil. God, I thought revival was coming. I thought revival was coming, but yet here we are again, you know, another setback, another disappointment, another... <sighs> Another friend passing away. You know, real, that's the reality of our lives right now. How can we live in peace? So I was praying about this several months ago, and I think it was during the riots in the summer, the summer riots. 
And I was asking God what was going on. If we're going to have revival, how is all this going to take place? And he brought me to a different, kind of a different obscure scripture in um, Acts chapter 8. And I'm going to start there because in Acts chapter 8, actually in Acts chapter 7, this is where Stephen gets martyred. Okay, at the end of Acts chapter 7 is where Stephen gets martyred. Here's the church, and they're growing, and thousands and thousands of people are getting saved, and everybody's, you know, moving in together, and everybody's learning about the way, uh, you know, and it's just this great time in the church, and then all of a sudden, boom, Stephen gets martyred. He gets killed for his belief. And if you look in chapter 8, right in the the beginning of chapter 8, It says a great wave of persecution began that day. That day, the day that Stephen was killed, a great wave of persecution began. Sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. So here was some dark times in the early church. And that day, here's Saul, and he just says, huh, I can get behind that. Here's a cause I can get behind. And he starts killing Christians, and he starts arresting them, and he starts persecuting the church big time, big time. And this, just this wave of persecution begins, and it scatters everybody. And you would think that that would be over. But if you look at verse 4, it says, but, and I love it. I love it, I love it. It says, but the believers who were scattered preach the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Wherever they went. So it doesn't matter. We don't have to be in Jerusalem for God to move. God's gonna, God lives in my heart. <laughs> I have Jesus with me. Jesus said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you. And they were able to live it. And they had such a foundational peace that they were not only able to live out their faith for themselves, but to convince others to believe in Jesus as well, to bring others in. They continued to get people saved. They continued to say, hey, come on, this is a great life. And they go, but you're getting persecuted. Come on, it's worth it. And they had that peace. They had that peace in their hearts. And it was because they were connected to a life in Christ. Let's look at um, John chapter 15. John chapter 15 from the Passion Translation. If you have not read John 15 in the Passion Translation, I suggest you do that either tonight or in the morning or sometime soon because it is just so rich, okay? But in the Passion Translation, I'm not gonna read the entire chapter, but I'm gonna read just a couple verses. In verse five, Jesus is saying, I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. If you're connected to the vine, we know this, right? We know this in our head. We need to get it in our spirit. We need to ask Holy Spirit to just breathe on this. He says, if you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. And then in verses seven and eight, Once again, he says, but if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, if you live in me and my words live in you, the Bible, 
Then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. And when your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Our lives are meant to be lived out in peace to bring glory to our Father. Now, we can't talk about John 15 without going into Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And once again, in the Passion Translation. But the fruit, now remember, we're connected to that vine. We're connected to Jesus. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. No, yes, that's what he said. <laughs> Sorry. He's the vine, we're the branches. And the branches are the things that bear fruit, okay? But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions, okay? This is divine love in its varied or its different expressions, which includes joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Limitless. Now think about that. We are the branches. We produce fruit. Fruit comes from being connected to the vine. A lot of times we're trying to, you know, make our own artificial fruit. And, you know, have you ever seen artificial fruit? You can't, that won't sustain you. If you can't eat it, it won't nourish you. And we try to think, why don't I have patience? Why don't I have peace? Why don't I have joy? Because it's not coming from within. You're trying to manufacture it on the outside. Trying to get joy from this, this person and peace from this circumstance. You're trying to, you know, if I do so many acts of kindness, then, then I will be a kind person. It's got to come from within. Okay, let's go back to peace, though, because that's what we're talking about. It says, peace that subdues. Subdues. That's an interesting word. Um, in the dictionary, subdues means to conquer and bring into subjection. Peace that conquers. Peace that brings into subjection. Peace that squashes fear flat. Peace that squashes worry. Peace that takes care of anxiety and depression. Peace. Peace. Did I say fear? Peace that subdues. That's peace that subdues worry. Peace that squishes it down. Peace that gets rid of it. That's what it is. And it is meant to be limitless. Limitless, without limit. We need to remember that God is our loving Heavenly Father, and he will never send us into battle without equipping us first. And so it's like, oh, how can I get that peace? Be connected to Jesus. How do I get connected to Jesus? Worship, pray, read our Bibles. That's how we get connected. Not because we have to, but because we want to. We want to get to know him. Don't read through the Bible in a year just because so that you can say you did. Read through the Bible in the year because you want to know our Father better. You know, don't worship because the pastor said we got to get more animated. <laughs> this is why I don't preach very often. <laughs> you know? We don't do it because we have to. We do it because we want to. Because we love that connection. 
You know, only crazy people get up at 4.30 in the morning to spend two and a half hours in prayer, you know, or whatever. Crazy people. Who gets, you know, three? These guys get up at three. Holy mackerel. It's because they love. Their relationship with God is priceless. You're going to put a price on your relationship with God? We can't do that. And that peace comes from that. Peace is a choice. Did you know that? Let's look at Ephesians. Where are we at? Okay. Peace is a choice. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. And this is from the New Life Translation. It says, this is the last thing I want to say. Be strong with the Lord's strength and put on the things that God gives you to fight with. How many of you guys know it's fighting time? Passivity is gone. Spiritual warfare is on, on. It's on, okay? If you, because that's the time we're living in, okay? So it's not the time to just hide under the bed and say, hope that everything goes away. It says, put on the things that God gives you to fight with. Like I said, God doesn't send you into a fight without um, equipping us first. He's given us everything we need to not only be successful, but to win victoriously. And we just don't walk in it. Like I said, there's that disconnect. We don't walk in it. Then it says, uh, then you will not fall into the traps of the devil, like fear, worry, anxiety, depression, that kind of stuff, for the most part. Our fight is not with people. It is against the leaders and the powers and the spirits of darkness in this world. It is against the demon world that works in the heavens. Because of this, put on all the things God gives you to fight with. Here we said it again. Put on all the things that God gives you to fight with. It's your choice. Then you will be able to stand in that sinful day. Um, I think it's a sinful day. You will be able to stand in that sinful day when it is all over. You will still be standing. We equip ourselves. So just we jump down to chapter to verse 15. It says, wear the shoes on your feet, which are the good news of peace. Hmm, wear the shoes. So just like you slip your shoes on every day, when you slip your shoes on, think about the peace of God. You know, as you're sliding your feet into those shoes, as you're tying up your laces, you're zipping up your boots, or, you know, strapping over your Velcro, whatever. As you're putting on your shoes... You need to say out loud, I put on peace today. God, I'm walking in your peace. I'm walking in your peace. Why shoes? Let's do, let, I did some research on why shoes. It was, this is a really cool um, analogy. Because Paul tells us to, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this, and he tells us to put on the armor. And this is a choice that we need to make every day. Peace is one of these choices. Put on the shoes of peace so that we may walk in peace. So that by how we walk in perfect peace, we can be the gospel on display. Remember, this is not for our glory. This is for his glory. And people will want what we have because we walk in peace. Wow. How come you're so peaceful? Aren't you worried? Not really because God's in control. Not really because I choose. I choose peace today. I choose peace today. All right. So why shoes? Um, after doing some research, I found out that Roman soldiers, which is a very big part of the New Testament culture, Roman soldiers were often equipped with caligae, 
Caligae, that's what it is, a type of shoe with the design of a sandal that was equipped with hobnails for better traction on the battlefield. So their, their, their shoes had little nails all the, on, along the soles, almost like golf shoes or, or soccer cleats, football cleats. Um, these nails were primarily used to stomp on their fallen enemy. Soldiers were able to stand firm in the face of their enemy and their feet wouldn't slip in the middle of the battle. In the middle of our battle, we need to firmly plant our feet in his presence. We need to firmly plant our feet so that we cannot be moved. Those little nails would go down into the ground and they would stand firm. And they would be able to fight because they'd have their buddy behind them and he'd be fighting and the buddy on the side and he'd be fighting. And even if you feel alone, you always have Jesus and the Holy Spirit with you. So you're never alone. You're never fighting alone. And you just plant your feet. And sometimes we have to actually do the physical act and say, you know what? I plant my feet in the presence of God and I'm going to lift my hands and I don't care what my circumstances look like. I'm going to worship God anyways. I'm going to raise up that hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies. Sing it in, if it's, now remember it says we battle not against flesh and blood. So but imagine, you know, whatever that enemy is, whatever that spiritual entity that's coming against you, imagine their faces right there and just sing. Glory, praises to God right in their face. Plant your feet in his presence. Come on. <laughs> Oh, Ephesians 1.22 now talks about Jesus. Remember, the nails were primarily used to stomp on their fallen enemy. Well, Ephesians 1.22 says he put all things under his feet, Jesus. And if we are connected to Jesus, then it's all, and we are joint heirs with Christ, and we are seated in heavenly places with him. What does that mean? He's put everything under our feet. And when we wear our shoes of peace with the little nails in it, then stomp the devil's head is what we do. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things in the church. Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace that whose shoes we're wearing will crush Satan under your feet. When we choose peace, we put on peace every day, just like we put on our shoes. We're equipped to stomp our enemy with the peace of God, and when we live in peace, the enemy has no foothold in our lives, making his torment worthless and ineffective. And if you have to say it 50,000 times a day, say, I'm walking in peace today. I'm walking in peace today. And at the, he'll get the message. I'm telling you what, he'll get the message, especially if you believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, then it's there. It's there, it's there. His peace, our peace comes from knowing that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places and that his authority is our authority. It's all about identity. It's all about knowing who we belong to. It's all about not getting our eyes on the world, but getting our, keeping our eyes on him. All right, so let's go back. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Make your petitions known. Not whine, not complain. 
Just say, God, this is what I need. And he'll go, okay. And then, and then, because we always forget number four, give thanks for all he has done. Yeah, we could preach 10, 10 sermons on thankfulness and not even scratch the surface. Give thanks for all he has done. If anything, give thanks that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. <laughs> if you can't find anything in your life to give thanks for, give thanks that Jesus died on the cross for you and that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all, those th all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Jesus is one of Jesus' final words to his disciples and to us on this planet. In John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He's, he left peace here. He sent us the Holy Spirit to give us peace. That way we could live in peace through the Holy Spirit. When we understand who we are in Christ, it is so much easier to rely on the Father for everything, including peace. So let's apply this to our lives. Number one, pray until peace comes. Pray. Pray until peace comes. And if that means that you got, I mean, I have figured out how to pray at work. Thank goodness for masks. Because why? Because I can pray at work. Let me real, real, real quick little application here. I was, um, we only had kids, we're halfway through the school year, and we only had kids for six weeks, okay, sometime in the fall. I don't even remember. And one of the rules for us teachers was that we have to sanitize desks every time. Every time the classes change, we have to sanitize desks. And we can't give this task to the children. Oh, no. Yeah, you got 30 kids in the room, and they could clean their own desks off. Oh, no, that can't be that way. We have to clean all the desks by ourselves while the kids are watching. So I'm sitting there muttering under my mask as I'm cleaning desks. This is so stupid. <laughs> And Holy Spirit says, why don't you pray? And he brings this realization to my heart that, holy cow, here I am with a mask on. And I could pray as I'm spraying these tables off. And I started praying the love of Jesus over all these tables. And I started praying blessings into my students. And I started praying health and life into their families and healing and I'm telling you what, it's like, yeah, thank God for masks. I could pray. And nobody will even know. They'll just think that I'm muttering. I don't even care if they know or not. Because this is a private conversation. But, you know, if you hear it, whatever. It set me free. I'm telling you. It set me free. It gave me peace. <laughs> so pray until peace comes. Breakthrough in peace only comes from sitting at his feet and making the decision that you are going to give everything to him. Peace must be fought for. Must, it's a battle, and it must be fought for. And we need to remember that we are not our own, but we are bought with a price. How do we bring him glory? How are we to be an effective witness in the world if we are stuck in worry? 
If we don't live in peace, how can we be the gospel of peace on display for our culture? I want to close with some lyrics to an old hymn. And it's, I, as I was looking this up, it's like, holy cow, I remember singing this as a little girl. And I don't remember how the verses go, so I'm just going to, but it, it's just rich. It's just rich. It's Wonderful Peace by Warren Cornell. And a couple of verses that say, Far away in the depths of my spirit tonight rolls a melody sweeter than psalm. In celestial-like strains it unceasingly fails o'er my soul like an infinite calm. Oh, to have peace that I could pen words like this. Amen. What a treasure I have in this wonderful peace, bearing deep in the heart of my soul, so secure that no power can mine it away while the years of eternity roll. I am resting tonight in this wonderful peace, resting sweetly in Jesus' control. For I'm kept from all danger by night and by day in his glory is flooding my soul. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? What I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes with me. Well, uh, if you'll close your eyes. And if you will sing with me, and if you don't know the words to the chorus, then just listen. Because Holy Spirit is here. and, And let's just take a couple minutes to just worship it. Because one of the best, um, one of the best weapons is our worship. Hallelujah. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In sing it again. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In speak peace over this congregation right now. I speak peace to everyone online right now. May God's peace flow your heart, or fill your hearts right now. Fill your lives right now. Oh, Holy Spirit, breathe. Breathe upon us. Oh, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that we were never meant to walk alone. We thank you, Lord, that those fathomless billows of your love are there just to come rolling in when we surrender to you. And Father, we surrender to you totally and completely each and every day. We make a choice right now. We make a choice 
to live in peace. We make a choice right now to cast down anything that would exalt itself above your peace. Hallelujah. And I just speak this peace out. I speak this peace out. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We glorify your name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord God. We just love you. That's all I have tonight. And so I just pray God's peace over your lives right now. Go in peace. Thanks for coming tonight. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.